0: We're turning your Bibles to Matthew, Matthew chapter 20. That's where we'll start this morning. It's going to be a little bit unusual. As you know, we've been studying the book of 1 Samuel, going verse by verse, passage by passage, but of course, on Easter Sunday morning, we're going to be thinking about the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to be looking at really the greatest event of all time, and that's how Jesus died and rose again. It is so good to be with you. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ. It is the greatest event of all. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven, came to the earth to die on the cross paying for sin and then rising again. And we call that the gospel message, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the one who gives life. And I want you to think about it. When we think about Jesus in John eleven twenty-five, 25, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life he is. And in John 14, 6, he is the way and the truth and the life. And so this morning, we're going to think about the death and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, when you say death, you know, death is it's a time, really, that a lot of people don't even want to think about. There's some people who say, well, I'm not going to make out a will or anything because it might make me die. Well, you're going to die anyway. You might as well make it out. It's uh, When it, when you think about it, it's that it's a time sometimes that people fear. How do people look at death? I want to give you some quotes of some different... that uh, I went back through history. Some people, how they viewed death uh, when, when they knew they were dying. First of all, Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China as he was dying. Here's what he said. He said, all I lack now is two steps, and I'll be in my father's house. Henry Vos, who was put to death because of his faith, and they cut off his head, and here's what he said. He said, if I had two heads, they'd both be for Christ. Alexander the Great, you might remember him. He was the son of uh, Philip of Macedonia. Alexander the Great conquered the world. And when he, on his deathbed, he wanted to be carried to his grave with his hands exposed to show that they were empty. He said, I conquered the world, but when I die, I'm taking nothing with me. A man by the name of John Dick, who was a pastor in Scotland, he was arrested and sentenced to die for proclaiming the gospel. And they were going to hang him. And so as he stood on the scaffold to die, here's what he said. I have come to this day, and I would not change my my lot with any person. I lay down my life cheerfully for Christ. I say to all, trust in him. Trust in the Lord. Look to the Savior, the blessed Lord. I offer this sacrifice freely to God. Farewell. Then Lady Jane Grey. You might not know who Lady Jane Grey is. She was the niece of King Henry VIII. She was an amazing young woman. She died at age 16. In her 16th year, she became queen. First of all, she was married Then she became queen. Then she was disposed from being queen. And then she was martyred for her faith. As she stood to die, remember she's 16 years old. And she said, I am saved by no other means than the mercy of God based on the blood of Jesus Christ. How do you and I think about death and dying? As believers, we think about it because we put our faith in Jesus Christ so we have eternal life. Death is different for us. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we know that if any of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, if we've trusted in Him for eternal life, the moment we die, we'd be right with Him. The Bible calls death the final enemy. And we think about it, but we find a great comfort in the Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 15, 54, it says, death is swallowed up in victory. A little bit later, and we read that a little bit later in the passage, but we read it a while ago, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we think about us, we say, well, if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life, and death definitely is not the end for us, and we're going to be with Jesus Christ. One writer who wrote at the time of the Reformation, he wrote a work, and here's he entitled the work this, The Death of Death in the Death of Christ meaning that death died, that was the end of death when Jesus Christ died and rose again. This morning, we want to focus... On Jesus Christ. We're going to go back over 2,000 years ago. They see the final days of Christ and what happened. And we want to think about a number of things. First of all, we're going to look at this. We're going to talk about Christ's message to his disciples as he's going to Jerusalem. What does he say? We're going to actually see Christ's death and resurrection from the scripture. And then we're going to see the importance of Christ's resurrection because you could say this, if Jesus died on the cross to pay for all the sins of the world, and he did, Why did he have to rise? Are we okay if we just have the death of Jesus and not the resurrection? Why is... Why is it importance? What is the importance of Christ's resurrection? And then we'll end it all sort of by just saying, what, what does all this mean for us? So let's start first with Christ's message to his disciples. We're seeing the last days of Jesus Christ. He's going to Jerusalem. If you remember, he sent a, had some of the guys, and it was uh, basically ready for Passover. And they said, where are we going to eat the Passover? He said, I want you to go into town. You'll see a guy carrying a pitcher of water. When you see that, follow him to a house. When you get to the house, go into the master of the house, and say to him, where is the room prepared for the master and his friends, basically. And they went into the room, went into the house. They had a room prepared. And that's where they had what we'd call the last meal, the last supper, uh, the Passover meal. And we're seeing those last days. On the way, and and just to realize this, before Jesus got there, and and what we find in Matthew 20, this is where I told you to turn. Matthew 20, look at verse 17. Look what Jesus tells his men as he's on the way to Jerusalem. As Jesus, verse 17 as Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside by themselves. Now, there's other people with him, but he took take them aside and he said this to them. Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man, that's his title for him, the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priest and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And they will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and to discourage and to crucify him. That's his death. And on the third day, he will be raised up. That's his resurrection. He told him he was going to Jerusalem to die and rise again. He didn't say, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem to die and to rise again. If you would, just look at Luke. Just flip over in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. That's just a couple of books on past. And look at Luke chapter 18. Look what he says. This is basically the same thing. We're seeing Jesus telling uh, the men as he's going to Jerusalem what's going to happen. Luke chapter 18, verse 31. He took the 12 aside and said to them, Behold, we're going to Jerusalem. All things that are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. Well, what was written? We're going to talk about it in just a second. He'll be handed over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him. That's his death. And the third day, he will rise again. That's his resurrection. So on the way to Jerusalem. He tells his men, We're gonna, I'm going to die and rise again. I want you to think back with me because he said this is what was written through the prophets, through the Old Testament. In, in the Old Testament, there are two key passages I just wanted you to remember. Isaiah 53 and Psalm chapter 16. In Isaiah 53, Isaiah talked about the death of the Messiah. I want to quote for you. I want to read for you Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Verse 56, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned our own way, but the Lord has called the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Jesus died for our sins. Then later in chapter Psalm chapter 16, it says that God would not allow his holy one, that's the Messiah, to see corruption. He would not stay dead. So if you think about it, Christ's message to his men as they were on the way to Jerusalem, he's going to Jerusalem, he'll be handed over, he'll be tried, he'll be killed, and he will rise again. Well, well, I want you to continue You just stay in the gospel of Luke, and we're going to see they, they went, they found the room, and they've all come together for this final meal. And I want you to look at chapter 22. Uh, we're going to, well, let's, let's focus now on the death and resurrection. and Look at chapter 22, where Jesus wanted to eat this Passover with his disciples before he dies. Look uh, Luke 22, look at verse 14. And when the hour had come, he reclined at the table, and the apostles were with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, you know, Jesus ate Passover with them a number of times because under the Mosaic law, under the Jewish law, every every male had to come to Jerusalem three times a year. One was for Passover, one was for Pentecost, and one was for tabernacles. So Jesus had eaten the Passover meal with his disciples more than once. This is the last time. And he actually says to them, I earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He knows that he's going to die. This is going to be the night that he's going to be arrested and and, uh, and, and crucified. He told them, he's, while he was with them, he said, listen, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me and my father's house. There are many rooms. Would, if it wasn't that way, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When I get it ready, I'll come back and get you. And where I am there, you'll be with me. So he told them, I'm going I'm believing, but I'm one of these days, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. And they were really sad. He told them that they were going to strike the shepherd and the sheep would be scattered. <clears throat> he then, they then sang, They finished the meal, they sang a song, and they went to the Mount of Olives. And while they're on the Mount of Olives, if you remember when Jesus got there, he said, <clears throat> listen, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to take Peter, James, and John. I want you to come with me. Get right there. The other guys go over there, and then Jesus was praying. After he prayed three different times, they look up, and here is coming Judas with some temple soldiers, some Roman soldiers, some religious people. They've got clubs. They've got torches. They've got swords. They're coming to arrest Jesus. And they're coming. And as they're coming up, it, it's a powerful thing because, and I want you to, I want you to grasp this. Jesus laid down his life. They didn't grab him. They didn't just grab him and take him off and him going, fighting and screaming. In fact, Jesus says, I lay down my life and I do what? I take it back up again. They come, they came that day, that night, and here comes Judas, and they're all standing there, and Jesus steps out and says, Who are you looking for? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says, I am. That's the name of God. It says in one of the Gospels, when he said, I am, they all took steps backwards and bowed to the ground. Listen, he's, he's powerful. He's God. He's not getting arrested and taken off. He is giving up his life for us on purpose. So when he said, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'll be handed over, they'll kill me, and I'll arise again, that's not out of his control. That is his control. He is working it that way. Well, they arrested him the night. Judas came up to him. If you remember, Judas comes up and kisses him, and you say, why did he do that? Because it's dark, and they don't see everybody, and Judas says, I want to make sure you get the right guy. I'll come directly up to him and I'll give him a kiss, and then you can arrest him. And they did, and they got him, and they took him off, and they tried him all night. had six trials, three before the Jews and three before the Romans. The three trials before the Jews were all illegal because they were at night, and all three times Jesus was found guilty. The three trials before the Romans, first of all, Jesus had no stand before the Romans. He wasn't a Roman citizen. They could do anything they wanted to with him, but three times they found him innocent. And if you remember, Pilate at the end said, listen, I find no fault with him. Let's, I'm just going gonna, gonna to beat him. You know, I'll whip, beat him and then just send him away. And they all began to holler no and release Barabbas and crucify Jesus. And finally, after a while, uh, Pilate said, okay, okay, we'll just, I'm washing my hands on the matter. Okay, we'll, and they, he turned Jesus over to be Crucified. If you look, and keep keep staying in the gospel of Luke, look over to Luke chapter 23 and look at verse 33. Because after they took Jesus, they beat him just like they said. They spit in his face, put a crown of thorns on him. They hit him. They did all these things. And then they led him out to, to a place. And if you notice in verse 33, it says, that this is the crucifixion where they led him out there. It says, they came to a place called the skull where they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Now, you might say, The skull. Have you ever heard people say Calvary's Cross? You know, there's a song about oh uh, Mount Calvary. The word Calvary means cranium. It means a skull. Uh, the, 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 the place they, they took Jesus was called the skull. Now there's two reasons or two thoughts of why it's called the skull. If you get at a certain place, I went to Jerusalem in 1976, and there's a bus station, and if you stand in the parking lot of the bus station and look back to the place that they think where Jesus was crucified, if you look just right, it almost looks like a skull. There's like two little, I things. And so sometimes people say that means that's why they called it the place of the skull. There's another tradition that when David killed Goliath and cut Goliath's head off, he brought the head back to Jerusalem, and it was buried there, and that's why it was called the place of the skull. So if you look at verse 33, it says, when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. So they're crucifying Jesus Christ. And if you remember, he's on the cross, and he, they put him on the cross about nine o'clock in the morning, and at 12 o'clock, everything turned out dark, and three o'clock, he said some things, and then he died before six o'clock because six o'clock starts the next day, and they wanted to get him off of the cross before them. If you remember, Jesus said in verse 34, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They were casting lots. They were doing all that. I always am amazed at verse 35 when it says, and people stood by looking on. And even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if this one is the Christ of God, his chosen one. See, they, they're making fun of him. In fact, one of the other gospels says they wagged their heads. That literally means they made faces at him when he's on the cross. And they say, If you're really the Christ, come down. Well, the truth is this. Uh, to save us, Jesus cannot save himself. Let me tell you. Aren't you glad that Jesus, who is God and can do anything? Aren't you glad he didn't say, okay, I'm just coming off the cross just to show you that I can do anything? I'm glad he didn't, aren't you? Because he is the one who stayed on the cross, who took our sins upon himself and paid the penalty for our sins. Well, we know that uh, if you turn over to uh, verse 44 okay? Verse 44, it says, And now about the sixth hour, that's 12 o'clock, darkness fell upon the whole land till the ninth hour, which is about 3 o'clock. So while Jesus is on the cross, in the middle of the day, it became dark. Now, I don't know if you've, I've been, there's been times like I've been in the middle of the day, and a big storm come up, and clouds come up, and everything gets real dark, and y'all go, ooh, this, this looks like a bad storm or something. Well, this is the middle of the day. It's not a storm. Suddenly, Everything becomes dark. And the reason is because at this point in time, Jesus is taking the sins of the world upon himself. The sins of every person, past, present, future. That's every sin, past, present, and future. He is taking the sins. Look at verse 44. Now about the sixth hour, 12 o'clock, darkness fell upon the whole land until about the ninth hour. This is the darkness. This is where Jesus is taking the sins of the world on himself, Matthew says this. He says about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, "Eli, Eli, lama sabathini." That is, my God, my God, why have you? forsaken me. Jesus Christ was separated from the Father when he was on the cross. Now I want you to understand something. Jesus Christ has not died physically yet. He's on the cross. He is separated from the Father. He is paying for the sins of the world. That's why he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is separated from the Father, paying for the sins of the entire world. A lot of people say, when when did Jesus pay for sin? When he died physically. No, he paid for sins when he was separated from the Father. Because we're going to see in just a minute that he's going to say it is finished, and that's before he dies physically. So I want you to understand, Jesus is on the cross paying for our sins. If you notice in John 19, 30, when Jesus therefore had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Now what's finished? The payment for all sin for all time. That's before he dies physically. It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He died physically then. This is the death of the Savior. So we see Jesus dying on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. And as we said earlier, nobody took his life. He laid down his life, and he takes it back up again. The Son of God died on the cross to pay for our sins. 1 John 2, 2 says he's the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. I want you to understand that when Jesus took the sin of mankind, it wasn't just for believers. It wasn't just for good people. Or, he took the sins of Of every person who's ever lived, who is living now, who will ever live, and every sin anybody's ever done, is doing, and ever will do, all of those were placed on Jesus Christ at the same time. That's why he was separated from the Father. That's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was separated from the Father, paying for the sins of the entire world. Well what happened? Well he died and they came to bury him. In verses fifty to fifty six, a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea came. Joseph of Arimathea was a wealthy man. He was a member of the council. It it says in verse fifty, it says, Now there was a man named Joseph who was a member of the council, a good and righteous man. He did not consent to the plan. He actually came and asked for the body of Jesus. Now Pilate said, Wait a minute, he's dead already? So Pilate called for one of the soldiers and he said, Is that man Jesus already dead? And the soldier said, Yeah, he's dead. He said, Joseph, you can have the body. So Joseph where Arimathea took the body doesn't tell us in the gospel of Luke or Matthew, but it tells us in the gospel of John that another man by the name of Nicodemus came and helped Joseph bury Jesus. Nicodemus is found back in John chapter 3. He is a ruler of the Jews. He's a teacher of Israel. He comes to Jesus at night, and Jesus tells him, you must be born again. And that's where John 3.16 comes in. And the best we can tell, maybe Nicodemus believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, and he is helping bury Jesus. So it's a very powerful thing. They put the body, they put it in a, in a tomb. And in that day and time, a lot of places they buried people. They buried him in the side of hills. They buried him in caves. And this man named Joseph Arimathea must have been a wealthy man. Because first of all, he, what, he doesn't live in Jerusalem. He lives in Arimathea, which is about 12 to 15 miles from Jerusalem. And he happens to have a tomb in Jerusalem. Now that means maybe he's very wealthy. If you know, usually you'd only have one tomb. He may have two or three. And so he took the body of Jesus and put him inside that tomb. There was a slab usually in there. And then they would roll a stone in front of there, usually a bigger stone, sort of like a record. They had a groove and they would roll this stone and, and that was to keep the animals out. So the animals wouldn't get in and get the bodies. And what they would do is after a certain number of days, they would go back in there and anoint the bodies until there's nothing left but bones. And so that's what Joseph of Arimathea has done. The women who followed Jesus, who were at the cross, who have been with him from the beginning, they followed these men and they watched where they buried Jesus. And they watched it because in their minds, they're saying, in two or three days, we're coming back and we're going to anoint the body. That's, that's what we're going to do, because we love him, and we, we don't want you know it just to, to be that way. And so the women saw this. Now, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. He was the substitute for all of us, for mankind. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, we've seen the first part, but there's more. There's a second part, and that is that Jesus Christ would rise after three days to conquer death, and we're going to see The resurrection of our Savior. You're in Luke chapter, you're in Luke 23, look at chapter 24. And it starts off, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. The ones coming are the women. If you look back in chapter 23, it's the women who were looking there, and they're going to come and they're bringing spices to anoint the body, and they're bringing that on the first day of the week. And by the way, don't be confused. The first day of the week is Sunday. The last day of the week is Saturday. Under the Jewish idea, you'll work six days and rest on the seventh. The Sabbath day is Saturday, not Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the week. We as Christians worship on the first day of the week. We call it the lord's day it is not a sabbath it's called the lord's day so they're coming on the first day of the week to bring spices in verse 2 they found the tomb they found the stone rolled away from the tomb and when they entered they did not find the body of the lord jesus now they find the stone moved away that we we find in one of the other gospels as they're going there they're actually saying how are we going to get the stone moved it's going to be really really heavy they're thinking maybe they could do it maybe they could get some help when they get there the stone is rolled away And they go in, and the body of Jesus is gone. Now, what would you think? I guarantee you, they said, somebody's come in here and got the body. It's exactly what they thought. They're not thinking resurrection. They're coming to anoint the body. It's now open. They think somebody must have opened it up and took his body off. And I guarantee you, they're probably mad. And then look what happened. While they were perplexed, verse 4, All they were relaxed about this, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothes. Those two men are angels. They're angels that appeared. And look what happened. And the women were terrified and they bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? What a question. Why are you here at a grave looking for Jesus when he's alive? He's not dead. He told you he would rise. He's not here. Look at verse 6. He is not here. I love this. Look, he is risen. He is alive. He's not here. He's spoken. Remember how he said to you while he was in still in Galilee that if the Son of Man would be delivered into the hands of sinful men, they would crucify him, that's kill him, and the third day he would rise again. These angels are telling these women that he's alive. And then it says, and they remembered his words, they remembered what Jesus taught them. Wow, it's so incredible. They have heard from two angels that Jesus is alive. But there's more. I don't want you to do this. I want you to turn to the Gospel of John. Look at chapter 20. John chapter 20. Let's ver- look at verse 11. And as you're turning there, these ladies leave and Mary Magdalene comes. Now you remember who Mary is. Mary had seven demons in her body. We don't know how she got them. We don't know anything about it. Jesus cast the demons out. And after that, she followed him everywhere he went. She loves him. She knows he's her savior. She believes in him. And now she's come out to the tomb and she doesn't know he's, she doesn't know anything. She doesn't know he's alive. She doesn't know it. And she gets there and she finds that it's open and look at verse 11 of John chapter 20. Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. Now, why is she crying? You know why she's crying? Because the one she loves is dead. She thinks Jesus is dead. She knows. She watched him get buried. She knows it. And then she saw, look, she saw two angels. And she said, two angels sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. She said, oh, my gracious, that's where the body was. And she saw these two angels, and they said to her, listen to what the angels say, woman, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've led him. She said, I'm looking for the body, and somebody's taken the body of Jesus, and I'm really upset about it. I don't know where it is. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And she didn't know it was Jesus. Now, why didn't she know it was Jesus? She's standing looking into the tomb. She turns back around. There's Jesus standing there, but she doesn't know it's him. It could be the sun's in her eyes because it's coming up. It could be she's crying so much she can't see. It could even be that Jesus has fixed it where she doesn't recognize him yet. But she sees him, and Jesus said to her, Look at verse 15 Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Now, she thought, supposing him to be the gardener, she thought that maybe that was the guy that take care of everything around there. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Now, have you ever thought about that? You know what she's saying? If you've moved the body, if you'll just tell me where it is, I'll come get the body. Now, let me ask you something. Have you ever picked up somebody that's passed out? I mean, they weigh a ton. You're trying to, you're trying to carry them. How do you think Mary... It's gonna carry the body of Jesus. She tells this guy, just show me where it is and I'll go get him. She she couldn't pick him up, probably she had to. So she says that to Jesus. Just tell me where it is. She thinks he's the gardener. And Jesus, verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She recognized that voice immediately. She turned to him and said in Hebrew, Reboni, which means teacher. That's a special word. She's saying teacher. And Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me. I've not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brother and tell him I'm going to the Father and to my Father and your Father and my God and your Father. And so what did she do? What did she do when she realized he's alive? Mary Magdalene, verse 18, came announcing... She didn't come questioning. She came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he said these things to her. She said, I've seen the Lord. What did Mary do? I saw him. I've seen the Lord. He is risen from the dead. Do you remember 1 Corinthians 15? For since by a man Adam came death, by a man Jesus also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ has conquered death for every person. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for the sins of every person. When he rose from the grave, he conquered death for every person. That's both believers and unbelievers. Every human being will be raised from the dead. you understand that? The Some human beings will be raised from the dead. They'll spend eternity with Jesus Christ. It's called eternal life, and that's because they trusted in Jesus to give them eternal life. Some other people will be raised from the dead to spend eternity separated from Jesus Christ. The Bible calls it the second death, and it's because they did not put their faith in Jesus Christ or trust in him or believe in him for eternal life. He has conquered death. He is alive. That's what she says. We call this the gospel the death and the resurrection. First Corinthians 15, Paul writes, I deliver to you of first importance, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, that he was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. The gospel is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can never take that for granted. We cannot, we cannot just say Jesus died for us. We must say he died and rose again. And that's why we want to think about the importance of Christ's resurrection. Why is it so important? Couldn't we just say Jesus died on the cross and paid for sin? Why do we have to say he died and then he rose again? Well, there are two key things. First of all, the resurrection proved that sins are paid for do you realize that if Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead he would not be God he would not be the savior and sins would not be paid for first Corinthians 15 17 says if he's not raised then our faith is worthless there we're still in our sins there is no payment if Jesus didn't rise there is no payment look what it says and if Christ had not been raised your faith is worthless you are still in your sins we still have sin if Jesus didn't rise but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. He has. So God is satisfied in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection proved that sins are paid for. That's why you have to have it. There's a second one. The resurrection proved that death is conquered the bible actually tells us we read these verses earlier in first corinthians 15 oh death where is your sting oh death where is your victory there's not one thanks be to god who gives us the victory in our lord jesus christ jesus christ not only by his resurrection showed that sin was paid for but it showed that death is conquered wow d.l moody who moody bible institute here's what he said The resurrection is the keystone arch of our faith. If Christ has not risen, all witnesses are liars. If Christ has not risen, we have no proof that the resurrection of Jesus was any different from the two thieves. If Christ is not risen, there is not payment for sin. That's D.L. Moody. And I want you to understand, death can never hold anyone. As I said a while ago, every human being, will be raised from the dead. Every human being has their sins paid for. Every human being has death conquered. Whoever believes in Jesus has what? Eternal life. Whoever does not believe in Jesus Christ will be separated forever. He is the resurrection and the life. So as we think about ending here, what does all this mean to us? Jesus Christ is the son of God. He died on the cross. He paid for sin. He rose again, conquering death. What does it mean for us? God has offered to us eternal life. Jesus Christ gives to us eternal life. All who believe in Christ have eternal life. Every one of us in this room, Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sin. Every one of us in this room, he rose from the grave to conquer death. My prayer is this. If you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never understood this, right where you're sitting right now, understand Jesus died to pay for your sins and he rose to conquer death and he offers to you a gift. The gift is eternal life. Simply by faith, you believe in Jesus that he gives you eternal life and you are saved and saved forever. That's why it's called eternal life. It cannot end. So the moment you put your faith in Christ, The promise is he gives you eternal life. I hope and pray that every one of us in this room, that you know for sure that you have eternal life because you have trusted in Jesus to give you eternal life. So let me give you some applications, and that is let's believe in Christ for eternal life. It's that simple. Jesus died and rose again, and whoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. The second thing uh, is, is let's realize the importance of the resurrection of Christ. Why is it so important? Well, because it proves sins were paid for, and it also proves that death is conquered. That's the key. And that's what we should do is praise and proclaim. Praise him for his death and resurrection and proclaim to others what Jesus Christ has done for us. And then finally, last but not least, let's realize that every Sunday is resurrection day. When we come together, uh, we come together every Sunday morning, right? Sunday morning is the first day of the week. It's not a Sabbath day. It is a day in which believers come together to worship Jesus Christ. Why do we come together on this day? Because Jesus rose from the grave on the first day of the week, Sunday. And we also realize that it is called the Lord's Day. So we celebrate the Lord's Day on the first day of the week because our Savior, Jesus Christ, rose from the grave on the first day of the week.